0: Happy National Chicken Month to you all. This is Ricardo, and here are the audio eggs that Popping Collars will be leaving in your podcast feed for September 2022. We're hatching up a brand new episode of the flagship Popping Collars podcast this month. Your favorite irreverent Episcopalians get all fancy while discussing their favorite poetry and song lyrics. Betsy Carmody spreads her wings on a brand new episode of the PC Music Diary when she talks about the song I Am a River by the Foo Fighters. Going on 30 is serving up some chicken tenders with fava beans and a nice Chianti this month. When Betsy and Greg look back at that classic thriller, The Silence of the Lambs. Finally, Greg and Ryan strut their stuff on a brand new episode of The Sacred Six, when they talk about their experiences walking the Camino de Santiago and La Rioja and Castilla y León. Thanks for listening to us cluck on about religion and pop culture, and remember to keep those collars hot. Cluck, cluck! Reliable, oh,
1: I'm Greg
2: and I'm Betsy
1: and this is going on 30 a popping color side project where we put the lotion back in the basket
2: not right away maybe (laughs) maybe we put the lotion back in
1: the basket with movies that were nominated or should have been nominated for best picture 30 years ago this month we're looking at the winner of the 1992 Oscar for Best Picture, *The Silence of the Lambs*.
2: <laughs> <laughs> that was that was almost good. Wait, did you? Was that your Lecter attempt? It was. It was close.
1: *Beaming of the Lambs*. Uh, yeah, I mean, are,
3: yeah, that was good. That <laughs> was ridiculous. Really.
0: You spook easily, Starling. Not yet, sir. He's past the others. The last cell. I'll be watching. You'll do fine. A killer is on the loose.
4: Keeps them alive
3: for three days. Then he shoots them, skins them, and dumps them.
0: A rookie FBI agent is on his trail.
3: He's got real physical strength, cautious, precise, and he's never impulsive. He'll never stop.
0: But in order to track him down, she'll
4: have to match wits. I'll help you catch him, Clarice. Believe me, you don't
0: want Hannibal Lecter inside your head. With the darkest of all minds. Just do your job, but never forget what he is. But he's a monster. Pure psychopath. So rare to capture one alive. So close
4: to the way you're gonna catch him, do you realize that? Oh, Clarice, your problem is you need to get more fun out of life. You told me you don't spook easily.
3: You call this easy, sir? Ah! Fletcher's missing
4: and arm Man's a raving maniac. Who knows what he'll do?
1: Thank you, Clarice. Thank you. Betsy, I have a brief description of The Silence of the Lambs. Would you like to hear?
2: Uh, Yes. Please. Would you? I think I do. I think I do.
1: Clarice Starling is a top student at the FBI's training academy. Jack Crawford wants Clarice to interview Dr. Hannibal Lecter, a brilliant psychiatrist who is also a violent psychopath, serving life behind bars for various acts of murder and cannibalism. Crawford believes that Lecter may have insight into a case and that Starling, as an attractive young woman, may be just the bait to draw him out. Bleh <laughs> what a gross description! <laughs> That's somehow apt for
3: this movie,
1: <laughs> Betsy. What is your history with the Silence of the Lambs?
2: Okay, so I might have seen it in the theater.
1: Dang, dude! If you this saw this in the theater, movie. so wow. I think
2: you must have rented it. I don't. I don't think I would have been. I'm a rule follower. I don't think I would have been old enough to actually watch this movie in the movie theater. <laughs> If I was, car- maybe, maybe. And I, you know, we made, you made a comment before the show. You've watched this movie a lot, maybe too much. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I did not. I think I have watched this movie maybe once or twice. I love true crime. And we'll probably right. get into this. And this is well, what definitely I love, we'll I love the idea it. of crime and crime solving. Doesn't right. even have to be true. The horror aspects of this uh-huh. were tough. For me, I'm not a horror fan, as listeners of Poppy Colors know. So the horror aspects of this were difficult for me.
1: This was one of the movies that ended up in the parents' VHS library. The adult movies have no idea how so Silence of the Lambs has nothing, has very little in common with Days of Thunder and (laughs) Top Gun. And you imagine Tom
2: Cruise in this woman. movie. <laughs> Can you imagine Tom Cruise in this movie?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm sure Tom Cruise is up for the role of Hannibal Lecter at some point, right? I remember firing this movie up many times, actually, probably inappropriately so, uh, as a young teen. For whatever reason, like a lot of the things that stuck with me this time, as sort as an adult, like did not stick with me when I was a teenager watching mm. movie. so What's like movie? I would have probably been more focused on sort of the action y thriller parts and less focused on the creepy male gaze horror stuff
2: oh yeah I am now I agree
1: right? with that I agree
2: with that. Yeah. yeah yes yeah because that that's yeah that's part of my hot takes
1: yeah. Well, let's get to the hot takes. What are your hot takes about the Silence? school?
2: Misogyny. Mm. I love him well in this movie. Yeah, it is just, I mean, even down to,
3: like, when they arrive at the funeral home.
4: Look at him, Starling. Tell me what you see.
3: Oh, he's a white male. Uh, serial killers tend to hunt within their own ethnic groups. Um, he's not a drifter. He's got his own... House somewhere, not an apartment. What? What he does with them takes privacy. He's in his thirties or forties. He's got real physical strength, combined with an older man's self-control. He's he's cautious, precise, and he's never impulsive. He'll never stop. Why not? He's got a real taste for it now, and he's getting better at his work.
4: Not bad, Starling. Questions?
3: Yes, sir. Um, you haven't mentioned anything about the information contained in my report or Dr. Lecter's offer, sir.
4: Considering it.
3: That's why you sent me in there, isn't it? To get his help on Buffalo Bill, sir. Well, if that was the case, then I just I just wish I was in on it, that's all.
4: If I'd sent you in there with an actual agenda, Lecter would have known it instantly. He would have toyed with you, then turned to stone.
0: Excuse me, Sheriff Perkins.
4: These are the FBI people. Mr. Sheriff Perkins, Jack Robert, FBI. Special Agent Terry, Agent Starling. We appreciate being invited to your jurisdiction. I didn't call you. That was somebody from the state attorney's office. We'll extend you every courtesy, but right now I... Sheriff... This type of sex crime has certain aspects I just as soon discussed in private. You know what I mean?
2: When he goes to talk to the chief alone, you know, and then she makes that point later in the car, you know, local cops are watching you. It, may, it all makes a difference. Like, I think I was I was shocked by seeing the misogyny. I was shocked by seeing points made against the misogyny. But yet we still drove home the that thriller horror based misogyny. Right. You know, Down to, you know, what? Mig says to her, as she comes into mm-hmm. you know all of that, all of it. But the but watching Jodie Foster navigate that minefield of misogyny, watching actually how strong the senator's daughter Catherine, the pushback on her, I, it was a little more confusing for me. But I definitely would not have paid attention to that before. It was a little because that's the way the world worked then. It was a little bit of a, it was a revisit that I was like. Ew.
1: It feels like Jonathan Demi's pointing s- so much of this stuff out that he's got to be conscious of what it is that he's doing. You know, it's like right. he just put, he keeps putting Clarice in these situations where she's just getting stared at over and over again. And it's not like you can hide because the camera is up in everybody's face, right? And oh everybody's looking is, or, straight into or the it ca-
2: Is their face? Like the camera work was another thing that I was just unaware of yeah, or did not pay attention to the fact that he was kept switching the gaze around. Right. You know, and I actually was like, yes, I do want to stare at Jodie Foster's face more because she's right. so good. Mm-hmm. Like her, she is such a great actress. I walked away watching this movie again. And yes, there was this wondering about the interplay between Jonathan Demme's choices as an artist and as a director and Thomas Harris's material. Right. Cause I've never read the book. So I don't really know. Is this a hunt and peck and choose or is, or is this actually less than what's in the book? Like, I don't know, but that Anthony Hopkins and Jodie Foster are amazing actors mm-hmm. and their chemistry and interplay, which I'm sure is only, you know, minutes in the movie is right. But it, So powerful that it feels like it's all over the place. And, you know, going and reading articles and being like, well, why wasn't she in the sequel? Like what was up with it? You know, why wasn't Jonathan Demme involved? And it seems rather murky as to why Mm -hmm. the two of them were not involved in future productions because you wanted the movie at the end promised me a little bit more to come. And I've really found myself wanting more of that in terms of, story and acting chops have you seen the
1: other Hannibal Lecter movies
2: no because again the horror not the one with Julianne Moore in it
1: well there's that one so there's there's the okay so there's Manhunter
2: right
1: which is actually just kind of like a straight up action movie Silence of the Lambs sort of gets tagged as like the prestigious one Mm -hmm. And then everything that comes after it, be it Hannibal or Hannibal Rising or even Red Dragon with uh, Edward Norton, Mm -hmm. like all seem either lesser than or they lean into the horror too much. I don't know. Like they're more exploitative and less artistic Mm. than what Demi was going for with Silence of the Lambs.
2: There's definitely a prestige quality to this movie right. also this movie is tightly edited
1: oh my
3: god
2: there were definitely places where there could have been director's cut action like longer I'm like oh my god we're, we're suddenly at the house like, yeah. like it's boom boom we're just moving and and I think that is not the way filmmaking feels like it happens today yeah, no. especially if you're getting that cast together
1: okay so I have only a few notes okay what you got My first one was, this is really like, it is it is almost a perfect thriller. So like Fatal Attraction is one of these movies, right? Is Fatal Attraction a thriller or a horror movie? Thriller. Is Carrie a thriller or a horror movie? Mm.
2: Is
1: what lies beneath a thriller or a horror movie? You know, it's like Mm -hmm. that kind of thing where it's hard to quite describe. And Silence of the Lambs is one of those that, I feel like it's really hard to describe exactly what it is. I think that it's a perfect thriller, but you could convince me that it's a horror movie. And if it is a horror movie, this is like the only horror movie that's ever going to win Best Picture ever in the history of the Oscars. Yeah. I would think. Yeah it's just really taught. It's just really well edited. Like, it gets you straight into the story. I think that's the thing that I didn't fully appreciate until I rewatched it this time, was how quickly the Jack Crawford scene with Clarice happens. It's the very first thing that happens in the movie. like, I need you to go talk to Hannibal Lecter. Like, wow. Like, I I thought this would be 15 minutes into the movie, not 15 seconds into the movie. You know, it's just like, Everything goes bang 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 and then it's over and you're like wow okay great movie. The other note that I wrote down was that Chris Isaac, I remember watching him on an episode of Regis and Kathy Lee. Regis didn't know that he was in Silence of the Lambs and Chris Isaac was like, "Yeah, I was in yeah, I was I was in it." And he was and Regis says, "Wait, were you the guy in the cell next to Hannibal?" <laughs>
2: Oh, Isaac was like, what the heck, man? <laughs> like, no, <laughs> no, I was not.
1: <laughs> no, that wasn't me. And then he talks about being a cop, but I'll never forget that. It's like that interview is like seared into my head. I was wondering, though, like, would you consider Chris Isaac to be a one hit wonder? Because outside of uh, Wicked Game, does mm-hmm. he have another Hit song?
2: I don't know. The thing was, I just remember he was this, he's this effervescent personality that's kind of everywhere. Yeah. You know, is he a great actor? Yeah, not really. Um, I've used the the movie Little Buddha in class, so I've I've seen a lot more Chris Isaac than maybe your average bear. But yeah, I don't know, but he's just more of this lovely twang-filled person. Yeah. It's kind of how I remember him. So it actually makes me wonder, like, what's Chris Isaac doing now?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, that just kind of got me going down this rabbit hole. And what I ended up thinking about was, I wonder how many one-hit wonder musicians have shown up in movies. I don't know how many there are, but Betsy, I've got five of them. Oh, no. Right here on the list. What? Top five one-hit wonder musicians in movies. Oh, my
2: Lord. I know. All right. So um, do we have an honorable mention?
1: Mm. Not only do I have one honorable mention, I have two honorable mentions.
2: Uh, That is cheating. But okay. (laughs) go ahead. Well,
1: they're honorable mentions because they're not actually from movies. They're from television shows. Uh, The first honorable mention is how do you talk to an angel by the band The Heights? From the TV show, The
2: Heights. Oh, yeah.
1: With that uh, with that awful guy who uh, was Donna's abusive boyfriend on 90210.
2: Well, and it's also just kind of the last gasp of like a strong sax solo. Mm. Like, right? Like, yeah, that was hard to kind of pull off as you were in the 90s. Yeah. it was, it was fading away.
1: The other honorable mention being vicky lawrence who sang the night the lights went out in georgia and starred in mama's family
2: oh man
1: yeah yeah okay
2: all right so what's number five
1: number five vanilla ice you may know him from a song called ice ice baby but did you also know that he was in teenage mutant ninja turtles too what
2: about number four
1: number four i saved for our boy chris isaac who sang "Wicked Game," which is an amazing song, and appeared in this movie, *Silence of the Lambs*?
2: He was on. He wrote on *Peaky Black. Oh, he actually writes a bunch. Oh, let wow. me check. Wow, wow, Chris Isaac! Writing.
1: Wow,
2: huh? Look out now! Writing on *The Affair*, writer and performer. He wrote on *The Blacklist*. Interesting, and perform. Interesting, Chris Isaac. I Good see for you, it.
1: Chris Isaac.
2: Good for you. Good for you. All right, number three.
1: Number three is our boy, Billy Ray Cyrus. You may know him as the artist behind Achy Breaky Heart, but did you also know that he was in Mulholland Drive? Really? Yeah. David Lynch.
2: Did he have a pivotal role?
1: Uh, I do not think that he had a pivotal role.
2: (laughs) Okay, just saying
1: Mulholland Drive, no. All
2: right. Okay, number two.
1: You know who did have a pivotal role is our number two performer, Tony Basil who you may know, sang the song Mickey, the cheerleader anthem, Mickey, and was one of the stars of Dennis Hopper's Easy Rider. Easy Rider with
2: Dennis Hopper and Peter Fonda. Nice. Nice. All right. Well, now I'm very curious what number Mm. one is.
1: Who could possibly be number one? Well, it could only be Eddie Murphy. Who had the one-hit wonder party yeah. all the time, party all the time, and boy, we can pick any movie, but I'll <laughs> pick Beverly Hills cop as like there peak Eddie Murphy. How about that? Oh,
2: yeah, I like that. That is the that is probably the weirdest top 5 so far.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Betsy, what is the best scene in Silence uh, of the
2: Lambs? I'm gonna say it's that Silence of the Lamb scene.
1: The screaming of board. the lambs,
2: the screaming of the lambs. <laughs> Yes. I think that that it's, it's fast. It moves. There's a little less of Lecter being cringy, but it's, it's good. And it just gives you so much character development in moments for me.
1: Yeah. And it builds up to that. Right. Because like, you know, Hannibal's, intrigued by her at first, but isn't going to give her any information or any real information. Right. He's just going to play games with her and give mm-hmm. her puzzles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But it's only. And she, comes
2: in, she comes in, fired up to that scene. Right. She's like your anagrams are showing like I'm done.
1: Right. And this, well, is,
2: and this is at her first interaction after she's lied to him.
1: Ex- exactly. So it's like the first interaction is him just giving her puzzles and stuff. The second interaction is the quid pro quo, and she lies to him mm-hmm. in the quid pro quo. And then the third interaction is actually getting into the A
2: little more reality into
1: her past. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And because you could have said her origin story is the law enforcement dad and blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Like that, that, that in this day and age would have been enough back. He died. But when it really comes down to it being this savior kind of <sighs> complex. Right, and that—that's really what's motivating her, you know. If you can, if you can save some of these people, then maybe you can stop the lambs from crying. And just like, and and just her saying it was so heavy, it was so heavy. Right. He was he was so heavy, and mm-hmm. it wasn't even that it was. It didn't even need to be a female lamb, right? It was just you know she gendered. It was interesting to me.
1: Well, and it makes sense that she would gender it. Ma- Everything in Clarice's life is male oriented right like it's her dad it's, there's no reference of her mom
2: well her mom died we, we, right we, but yeah no no outside of that no
1: so it's like her dad it's the farm hands i don't know it's like everything everything feels very masculine in her work like as far as like her interactions and stuff like that my best scene is the cross-cutting between the fbi going to jame gum's house and clarice going to mr jordan's house house. yeah
2: yeah
1: Yeah. the way that it cuts back and forth and you're just you know and and then it just pulls the rug out from under you and as soon as he opens the door and it's just clarice you're like oh no (laughs) this is this is not gonna go well
4: No one here, Jack. Clarice. Your name is? Oh, uh, Jack Gordon.
3: Mr. Gordon.
4: Good. Um,
3: well, Frederica used to work for Mrs. Lipman. Did you know her? No, huh uh Oh, wait. Was she a great big fat person? Yeah, she was a big girl, sir. Yeah, I, I miss. No, I, I read about her in the newspaper. Um... Mrs.
4: Lippman had a son, though, maybe he could help you. I got, I got his card in here someplace. So, do you want to come in while I look for it? May I? Yes, sir. Thank you. Are you close to catching somebody, you think?
3: Yes, we may be. Did you take over this place after Mrs. Littman died, is that right?
4: Yeah, I bought this house uh,
1: two
0: years ago.
3: Did she leave any records, any business records, tax forms, list of employees? No, nothing like that at all. Has the FBI learned something? The police around here don't seem to have the first clue. I mean, have you got like a description, fingerprints, anything like that? Mr. Gordon. Matt, use your phone, please. Sure you can use my phone. Freeze! Put your hands over your head and turn around. Spread your legs.
2: Well, that you have to have her naivete as an officer, right, to make all of that go down. Because you're watching her walk into, like when she figures it out, Mm -hmm. you know, she could have gotten out of there at that point. Yeah. And then come back. He's way too, I mean, she doesn't know that he's way too entrenched in that space to probably flee from it, but she could come back with some backup.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, so this is the horror.
2: But then it's also the ambition, too. There's some, there's ambition there, not just naivete.
1: Right. I mean, this is the, everything that we've seen up to this point tells us that Clarice isn't going to leave this house, right? Mm-hmm. This is the woman who rolled under the the oh storage God. door. Gross. You know, gross. <laughs> who got down on the what? ground and rolled Blood. under the Tore storage her door. <laughs> oh, Ripped her pants oh. to check out what was in the storage locker. You know, knowing that, like, well, that's not safe. That's that's a terrible idea. But I yeah, her forget. her ambition drives her. Her desire to like figure this stuff out drives her. Mm-hmm. She snuck in to a secure facility to interview a psychopath in the middle of a floor that's under armed guard. Like she has no sort of nothing inside of her that says that she's going to call for backup. It's like the it's like grabbing the lamb and running away. Like her once she's in the house and once she knows that Catherine's there, she can't leave her. She's going to have to like see it through. She can't just abandon her and then go get, you know, backup to come back and help her. She's gotta she's gotta save the save the lost lamb, yeah. So,
2: mm-hmm.
1: so. uh best performance of the movie.
2: I'm going with Foster. Yep. You may. You. It's you really may hard have, to
1: go wrong with anybody. I know. You
2: may have your Hannibal Lecter impression, but you know <laughs> that people have told me I look like Jodie Foster throughout my life. That's right. You know, so I'm say, Doctor Lecter. Doctor Lecter. You got to kind of. There's a lot going on in the back of the throat there, because I can't hide <laughs> my West Virginia, Doctor Lecter. That's I'm a good on one. I love it. Thank that. you. I hey, I'm trying. <laughs>
1: Um yeah, I'll go Anthony Hopkins on this. This is just yeah. he's just so so creepy and just like his chews, thing he just before chews this up
2: all was of. what was that merchant ivory thing that he did that was that was is it Howard's End? No, what was it?
1: Howard's End was the year after this. Howard Howard's End, I think, I think we'll be talking about Howard's End next year because I think he yes. was nominated for an Oscar. Coming out of this, like he's going to be one of those known quantities.
4: Yeah, we're not really doing TV anymore. Right.
3: Good morning. Dr. Lecter, my name is Clarice Starling. May I speak with you?
4: You're one of Jack Croft's, aren't you? I am, yes. May I see your credentials? Certainly. Closer, please closer that expires in one week you're not real fbi are you
3: i'm still in training at the academy
4: jack crawford sent a trainee to me
3: yes i'm a student i'm here to learn from you maybe you can decide for yourself whether or not i'm qualified enough to do that
4: mm-hmm. that is rather slippery of you Agent Starling. Sit, please. I have
1: some stats about this movie.
2: Stats, 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 stats.
1: Silence of the Lambs opened on February 14th, 1991.
2: Happy Valentine's Day. Can
1: you imagine? The Can movie to go imagine? see
2: with your sweetheart. Can yeah. you
1: imagine?
2: Yes. It's going on a date. It might be like the anti-Valentine's movie. Maybe that's what it is.
1: Maybe. What did the studio think this movie was? You know, putting it out in February? I mean, clearly they didn't think it was an Oscar movie.
2: Maybe, yeah. Sounds like it.
1: That's wild. February. I mean, that's like dump dump time.
2: But it's, it's a wintertime movie. I wouldn't put this out in the summer necessarily, but you know.
1: This <laughs> day in
2: 90210. Oh, da, 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 da. oh Valentine's Day episode.
1: Oh, <laughs> boy, is it ever. uh this was uh season one episode 14 okay season one uh an episode titled east side story brandon jason Priestley learns about inner city life when he (laughs) falls for an exchange student no carla montana from east los angeles no and then it can, conclu- and then the description of the, the description of the episode concludes with, with Shannon Doherty. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I like it when you say, you know, Jason Priestley. I like that.
1: Dang. Uh, that was probably that's probably an episode of Nine Hundred Two One Zero that hasn't aged well. So, it's a very know.
2: special. I would be interested to see that episode now.
1: I gotta say, season one, Nine Hundred Two One Zero. It's pretty hit or miss.
2: <laughs> you find they really hit their stride in the second season? Yeah, you got to get okay. to the
1: first it's it's after the beach episodes. The it's kind of like
2: Parks Parks and Recreation, you yeah. got to get through the first season I hear you. Yeah, you got to get, get, get through, through to the, the first
1: head. season and then get to the beach episodes and then once you get there they've finally hit their stride, yeah.
2: Okay. Everyone figures themselves out.
1: Got it. <laughs> got it. Uh, Silence of the Lambs made $131 million.
2: Wow.
1: I know. Making it the number four grossing movie of 1991.
2: This is going to be exciting.
1: This actually isn't bad. It is the number 494th okay. top grossing movie of all time between.
2: Okay. That, I might not need IMDb on this. So, okay, let's go.
1: I, you do not need IMDB. On oh, this.
2: I'm excited. Okay.
1: Okay. So Silence of the Lambs comes between Laura Croft Tomb Raider. Okay. Which I think is the first Tomb Raider. I think it's Raider.
2: the first one. I think okay. that
1: is. And uh Honey I Shrunk the Kids.
2: Wow. Is on the other
1: side of it. So you get Laura Croft Tomb Raider, Silence of the Lambs, and Honey I Shrunk the Kids, Flirt Mary Kill.
2: Wow, this is hard. Yeah. I think sadly.
1: Oh,
2: oh I think we am gonna have to flirt with Tomb Raider.
1: Oh wow. She's hot. I She's hot. Did not see that one go.
2: going flirt with Tomb Angelina Raider.
1: Jolie is so Angelina happy.
2: Jolie. This is early Jolie <laughs> in an action movie, I want right. to say. Uh then I'm going to kill Rick Moranis. I feel very well. Oh, no. uh, I'm gonna kill <laughs> the kids. And I'm gonna marry Silence of the Lambs.
1: Uh, okay, I am with you, except I'm gonna flirt with Honey. I shrunk the kids. I really like that movie. I'm a big yeah. fan of that movie. Uh I'll marry Silence of the Lambs. I'm gonna kill Laura Croft because uh oh. that movie's terrible.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it is.
1: That movie sucks. So but
2: but it was oh man, the hype around that movie.
1: <laughs> oh, it's huge. It was huge. Yeah.
2: yeah.
1: And Angelina's great. Don't get me wrong. Angelina's great. That movie does not do yeah. her any favors. No. Uh, Silence of the Lambs has a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's pretty good. That's pretty good.
2: Pretty good. Oh, what did, what did Raj say? You He's know, Raj,
1: Raj doesn't like violence. You know that.
2: Yeah, but
1: uh, Raj says the popularity of Jonathan Demme's movie is likely to last as long as there is a market for being scared three and a half out of four stars.
2: Mm. That's actually very insightful Raj. That's he'd... yeah. Yeah. Hmm.
1: yeah. Uh, Janet Maslin. Yeah. Says in telling a story that involves cannibalism, flaying moth breeding and miscellaneous other elements of the bazaar. Jonathan Demme has still made a film of remarkable tact.
2: I mean, spoilers, Janet Maslin. What, what's going on? <laughs> throwing all stuff out there. Not everyone knows about the moth, Janet Maslin. We have to keep it to ourselves.
1: It turns out Jonathan Demme, good filmmaker. Who knew?
2: Who knew?
1: How did it do at the Oscars? Oh, boy, how did it do at the Oscars? It won. One, two, three, four, it won five Oscars, one of them being best picture I've already given you. Betsy, can you name the four other Oscars? because
2: I know? have to admit i I did not look up <laughs> what it won. okay so, so this is this is me this is me guessing, so I don't want people to think I looked it up right uh so I'm gonna say it Jody Foster won.
1: That's correct. Jodie Foster won for Best Actress. Okay, And
2: then uh, Hopkins won as well.
1: That's correct. Anthony Hopkins won Best Actor. No, he won Best Lead Actor, even though it's questionable.
2: He's not on the screen, Burial.
1: He's really not. He's got like 15 minutes of screen
2: time. Yeah. Okay. So, I want to say it won for Screenplay?
1: It did. It won for Best Adapted Screenplay.
2: Okay, Thomas so that's four. four,
1: right? So you've got four including Best Picture. So you have one more Oof. Oscar win hanging out there.
2: Set design?
1: Was not, did not oh. win for Best oh. Set Design. No. Yeah. Although that's it was really, yeah, that's that's surprising.
2: So. It wasn't the, even nominated for set from design. that weird underground that I can't imagine they would ever allow prisoners to actually live I know. in. That, yeah, that seemed yeah. that
1: seemed more like um. It seemed like a descent into like a circle of hell or something. And you have sweet little Frankie Faison kind of welcoming I mean, you.
2: <laughs> is Frankie has I I, I believe Frankie Faison must qualify to go into the Hall of Fame this year, hasn't he? Shown up before? Uh,
1: he, I mean, he's shown up before, but he uh, he's already been up for a Hall of Fame vote.
2: Oh yes, uh, he didn't
1: win. That's um, true. but I don't think he was in anything last year, unfortunately. So. Absolutely.
2: So, okay. One more score.
1: No, it's a big one. It's okay, a, it's what, a big one.
2: Is it best director?
1: Yeah. Best director, Jonathan yeah. Demme. So yeah. silence of the lambs is the last, the last Oscar nominated movie to do the sweep of uh, best okay. director, best actor, best actress, best picture. Yeah.
2: So we have not had one since. I guess that's we haven't true.
1: had, I mean, we haven't had a film that's won the top four awards.
2: If I think about the last decade, right, there's a lot of splitting. Right. Because people now like to kind of spread it around a little right. bit. Right.
1: Yeah. They spread, they spread the wealth out among the movies. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Other nominations for silence of the lambs, it was up for best sound. Okay. And it was up for best film editing.
2: Yeah, I think that's you know, as you mentioned, the the split on those scenes. Yeah. And if you think about sound down in that basement of the moths flying, Mm -hmm. kind of how you would, how you would, what sounds you would pick up Mm -hmm. from the tanks to the, to the screaming, to the music, thumping like that was very complicated and
3: fun. Yeah. You were telling me the truth back in Baltimore, sir. Please continue now.
4: Well, I've read the case files. Have you? Everything you need to find them is right there in those pages. And tell me how. First principles, Clarice. Simplicity. Read Marcus Aurelius. Of each particular thing, ask, what is it in itself? What is its nature? What does he do, this man you seek? He kills women. No, that is incidental. What is the first and principal thing he does? What needs does he serve by killing?
3: Anger. Um, social acceptance and, uh, sexual frustrations.
4: No, he covets. That is his nature. And how do we begin to covet, Clarice? Do we seek out things to covet? Make an effort to answer now.
3: No, we just...
4: Now we begin by coveting what we see every day. Don't you feel eyes moving of your body, Clarice? Okay, Uh,
1: let's uh, talk about the lasting legacy of this movie. And you're 100% right. You saw exactly where I was going, Betsy, uh, which was sort of crime stories, true crime.
2: Yes. Yes. I think there are many murderinos out there, many, especially women, Mm -hmm. who watch this movie maybe inappropriately young as you did. Right. Minorly, inappropriately young as I did. And this launched something in them.
1: Yeah. The serial killer. Vulnerability,
2: victimhood, yeah. serial killer, procedural, mm-hmm. all of that is, is I think, tied up in this movie. I think a yeah. lot of people would name it as their origin story.
1: So is this one of the movies responsible for the true crime phenomenon?
2: Yes, I do. I think so. I think to have it now, you know, and then to have it always be this interest that, that, that lots of people have, you put it in there with Ted Bundy's arrest and trial and all of that, you know, the very charming kind of serial killer. You put it in there with Ann Rule novels and people are interested in these things, but they're not talking about them publicly to then have it surge in the last decade in podcasts, et cetera. I think mm-hmm. all of that, all, a lot of people would point to this movie.
1: Yeah, this has the hallmarks for a lot of like what you would identify as like true crime stuff, even though this isn't true crime yeah. at all. Like, this is totally. But we're fiction.
2: talking about FBI, behavioral mm-hmm. sciences, things that we're still kind of into. The idea of inter- interview, which is true, interviewing other serial killers to get a peek into the mind of, you know, serial killers. It just so happens. I mean, it feels like they walk in to interview Lecter. Not because they think there's an actual connection with Buffalo Bill. Right. But because this is just a part of the project.
1: That's the other thing that's fascinating about the movie is that Jonathan Demme doesn't, like, it's not a whodunit, you know, mm-hmm. but there is still detective work.
2: Well, and that's the thing, too. Maybe for me, it comes down to a little bit. The series I want is not actually the Hannibal Lecter series, of books. I want the Clarys Clarice mm-hmm. Clary Starling
1: series mm-hmm. of books mm-hmm.
2: Have her going on. And working on other crimes.
1: So what is the fascination? Like, why is there a fascination?
2: I would say, about these, as a, speaking about it as a woman, the idea that she's going for, even though she's working with Lecter, and he is a man and he's putting ideas out there on the table, she is approaching it from a different perspective. She walks into a room and sees different things that a male detective would see walking into that room and the fact that they've been, the men have been led, you know, to wherever they're flying on their military plane to the outskirts of Chicago to go bust into this house. And she's just following the woman that this girl, Frederica was apprenticing with as a tailor and, and, and is just stopping by the house. Right. And she was in that room and saw things that she, was able to put together and deduce. And I think it's that element of for so long crime has been in the male gaze Mm -hmm. and to actually look at crime with the female gaze.
1: There's a couple of specific scenes that what you just said, all of a sudden they become clear to me. One is that when she's in the room, And she's trying to figure out who this girl is. And she sort of instinctively knows to go for the jewelry box. Mm -hmm. Because that's where she would have kept her secrets. But they wouldn't have been on display. So you would probably likely need to figure out, did she hide them? Mm -hmm. Like, that's something that it seems like she's bringing that experience with her into the room. Right, to know
2: yeah. that this is where you keep the precious, the hidden,
1: the mm-hmm. thing yeah, in the
2: ballerina box, yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, and then the other scene that stood out to my mind that you were talking about was uh, the autopsy scene where they have what is it like the I imagine that it's it's like um Vic's VapoRub rub or something yes, that they put under their nostrils, you know, because they're they're working with a body that's been pulled out of a lake or something like that. And when it cuts to Clarice, when they give her the VIX or whatever, she turns away from the camera. She turns her back to the camera. Mm-hmm. So I think that what it's what it's saying is that she's she's new to this job. She's not used to working with dead bodies. It's showing that she's having to learn how to do this a little bit but also there's something about the way that it's shot that makes it look like she's being modest in applying the stuff under her nose. Right. She's not just going for it. Like Scott Glenn and the other guys in the room are doing like she like turns away. And then she, when she comes back, it's already on her face. They highlight the fact that she, she is bringing a different dynamic to the investigation based on who she is as a person.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: yeah Mm -hmm. it's probably not a modest act on her part she's trying to prepare herself for looking at a dead body yes
2: you get to take yourself out of it for a moment
1: right but it looks like a modest act to the camera
2: yeah
1: because because she's turning her back to us and it makes us think oh she doesn't want us to see her putting the stuff under her nose you know are we supposed to be in awe or disgusted by someone like Hannibal Lecter?
2: I think we're supposed to have a hard time in a in some ways putting the axe and the man together. Like they show so they show the things that he was wrought. They do not show him in the act of creating the displays. Right. Well, and that there's this element of risk in everything that he does, too. It makes him unpredictable. I think we're supposed to be, he is an uneasy character.
1: Yeah. See, this is, but this is a part of the true crime narrative and crime story narrative that I always kind of bump up against a little bit, which is like, are the subjects of these stories, I mean, they're not heroes and I understand that they're not treated heroically. However, are they the subject of fascination for us you know it's I think like it
2: becomes i think it's the, like for me it becomes the sociology of it yeah i am very i'm intrigued by the the human study mm-hmm. that goes into something like that right the nature the nurture the yeah i think that's why like a series like mind hunter on on netflix is so fascinating right, right. that you know what what happened like when he brings up transsexuality. She's like, but that's not in the, uh, you know, the psychological profile is not actually transsexuals are not any more prone to crime than anyone else. And that, and that they were able to quote that in 19, the early nineties, he and the author in the late, late eighties. Right. I don't know when that research actually happened, but I would think that it's more recent than I would like to think it is, Mm -hmm. but that, that, how did we get here? Yeah. And I think that's the underneath of those things. How how did this person's journey lead to this place? Because here's the thing. It might, they might not be serial killer stories, but as I've said on this podcast and other podcasts on on our network before, the origin stories, we we love them. And so we're going to try to find them and it makes the characters more complicated whether it's a Marvel movie or whether it's a serial killer movie. Yeah. You know, how did Thanos get there? And boy, can I see his logic? Yeah, there is something about what Lecter does because of the cannibalism that moves him into really an area that feels even more difficult to understand and get to.
1: Yeah, I right? think it's when it comes to, like, true crime that this is this is where it gets a little uncomfortable, I think, for me. And I understand that it's it's more infamy than fame, right? So it's like... Manson, Bundy, all these people are infamous people. But they're also names that trip off the end of your tongue, you know? Like mm-hmm. like they're notable figures. I don't know, it's all it's almost like it creates it creates a bizarre type of celebrity that isn't something we would ever want to celebrate. Yeah, it just makes me think that like so much of how we think of true crime or like, you know, even things like school shootings and stuff, the media is getting trained on understanding that, no, it's not about giving you the backstory of all of these horrible people that perpetrate this kind of violence. And it's also not about looking for a reason for why people do this. There's no reason that's going to -hmm. make any sense to you as like a law abiding citizen of the country there's nothing that's going to make sense where you're going to ask the question of why and you're going to get an answer that's going to satisfy you in the least right Right. and and i feel like that's that's something that this movie gets at really well too which is like there's no why to what buffalo bill does that's going to make any sense at all Mm -hmm. or what hannibal lecter does that's going to make any sense at all and so if you get rid of the question of why you're probably going to save yourself a lot of a lot of chasing your tail.
2: Mm-hmm. So,
1: who is this movie for, Betsy?
2: Future Murderinos. Future Murderinos. <laughs> I think it's for people who also, they love the New York Times bestseller list, yeah. love a good popular book, and they're fascinated to see it come to the screen. Yeah,
1: totally. I think it's this movie is for people that like great thrillers. You know, like a really good thriller movie, uh, which is what this movie is. So I, I think yeah, it's uh I mean, come on. This is silence of the lambs, it's a great movie. It's a great movie. I, don't I don't know what to tell it's you. I know. Uh so with that being the case, uh what is your rating for this movie out of five?
2: My rating for this movie out of five is a five. Oh I did. Would
1: you rate it ahead of Boys in the Hood or behind Boys in the Hood?
2: I would rate it behind Boys in the Hood. Mm. You? Uh,
1: We are in agreement. It's five out of five for me. This movie is mesmerizing from start to finish. Honestly, I think I was like dog tired when I started watching this movie. And I was like, I'll watch 30 minutes and then I'll go to bed and then I'll watch the rest of it tomorrow. Nope. Watched the whole thing, finished the whole thing, never fell asleep. Yep, went through it all. It's great. Five out of five. It's Silence of the Lambs. Cool. Uh, why do you think? Now this is a great question. Why did the Academy nominate this movie? Hmm. It's a weird movie for the Academy to nominate.
2: I think the money. I think the money does some of okay. that, especially for a February 14th release. I I, I mean the reviews must have been just amazing and then people found it and found it and kept watching it. Yeah, the acting yeah. is stellar. I mean Foster and Hopkins are easy things for the Academy to get behind mm-hmm. I think as performers. and then then Jonathan Demi's work on it was so great. I think yeah. it had a lot of the and it was based off a popular book like there's a lot there's a lot that actually makes it if you're gonna cross into that genre, makes it one of those movies. Cause if you, even if you think about this movie versus seven or this yes. movie versus like, what is another movie that's kind of like the kiss the girls or mm-hmm. you know, there's some things that are almost the books, almost too popular, like girl with a dragon tattoo or something like it's like two in the zeitgeist not elevated enough. There's something about Thomas Harris's book. I think that made it feel elevated in some ways. You said the prestige factor on this movie versus other movies of its type.
1: It's a fascinating hybrid of a lot of the things that we've talked about so far this year. And, you know, I'm looking at the list of movies that we've watched and all the other ones feel really dated in a way that this movie does not like This movie feels like it could have been made yesterday. And I would be like, oh, yeah, that's a 2022 movie. Okay, that is it.
2: That's it. That's it.
1: Silence of the Lambs in the books. Well, oh, I forgot to ask you. What did Emily say about Silence of the Lambs?
2: I didn't ask her.
1: Oh. I got to check in with
2: her on that. I'm sure she loves
1: it. She's a big Jodie Foster fan, too.
2: I think she would. But I probably would think that we're in the same boat that this is not a movie that she has is a rewatch rewatch rewatch.
1: Right. Yeah. Uh so next up is a Greg pick mm. for going on 30. It is James Cameron again. Oh man. And it is the sequel to The Terminator. It is Terminator 2: Judgment Day. Betsy, are you ready yeah. for some Arnold Schwarzenegger? We haven't had Arnold on our show yet. So.
2: No, far. we have not. I'm so glad we're really breaking the barrier on
1: that i'm glad that we finally gotten to arnold arnold was this close to being on the show last year because i was i was super close to picking total recall last year but then i was like
2: and then you switched it
1: up but then i switched it up so uh so we finally get to the biggest movie star of this era <laughs> I mean,
2: really
1: so james cameron next time terminator 2 all right, Betsy, cool. thank you for coming to visit me in my basement cell down here?
2: No, thank you. You can step no.
1: a little bit closer to the bars if you want to. It's okay. No, I'm
2: good. <laughs> I'm doing all to right. <laughs> hang back over here. Someone else needs some plexiglass in their cell. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Fine with that.
1: Thanks for walking all the way down to the end of the hall. I don't know why they put me why? on. The, on
2: the why? Why the end of the hall? <laughs> I know who should be at the end of the hall.
1: <laughs> we'll see you next time.
2: Bye.